0: you treated Klingons before. Where? It doesn't matter. Tell me, or I'll cut out your tongue so you spread no more lies. Years ago, I was stationed on the moon of Jagal. No, I know you are lying. If you had served on Jagal, you'd be dead. Do you know that after the Battle of Shakana, there was so much blood in the air? I'm Hello and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Saj Karnig, and with me building a copy of The Enterprise are Bill Boy
1: One,
2: and Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we will be sharing a recap of the first episode of the second season of Strange New Worlds, The Broken Circle. And we're very excited about it.
0: Follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As always, we really appreciate when you're able to spread the word about us. Get us a couple new listeners from your friend group. Or go ahead and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider of choice.
1: Spoiler alert, we're going to be spoiling this episode and may also spoil uh, any other episode or movie uh, in the entire Star Trek canon.
0: Yeah, and and usually we've been saying like, oh, the 30-year-old episode. This one is like three days old, finally. Brand new, brand new. (laughs)
1: So Garrett, Garrett Wang comes yeah. back so in we a, a cameo when he's a four-star it. admiral.
2: <clears throat> Garrett, Wong. <laughs> Garrett Wong, you know, it's funny because like you, he was just, I just listened to a podcast where he was complaining about people saying his last name incorrectly. So that's why I had to correct you. Oh, uh, so thank that you. he would want to be my friend.
0: I <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. It makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, well, as, as Bill mentioned or, or as Emily mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about The Broken Circle. It's the first episode of the second season of Strange New Worlds. It first aired on the 15th of June, 2023, three days ago. It was written by Henry Alonso Myers and Akiva Goldsman. It was directed by Chris Fisher. The Indian University is 2369.2, which corresponds to 2260. We always start with our strange new takes. So who's got a strange new take for me?
2: Well, let's see. My strange new take for life, I think, is just that we should support one another, and when we recognize that people are doing good in the world, we celebrate that, and we focus our efforts for change on the people who are not doing good in the world. That's just my, you know, not that I have anything specific happening in my life right now that would make no, me No, of course of not. We have things, no but... idea
0: what you're talking about in anyway. the
2: <laughs> Vague book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I just, you know, there, there's a lot of crap in the world and it's nice to celebrate the things that are happening that are good and, um, you know, be excited about those things so that it can give us the, you know, the strength and encouragement we need to go out and make the things that aren't so good better. And my Strange New Take for the episode, hey, you know, this episode was kind of like that. I feel like doing some work in the world to, you know, focus on things better. Although I do have to say I was a little sad that um, there wasn't much Captain Pike. I like all the characters on Strange New Worlds, but there was hardly any Captain Pike. And I was a little, you know, <laughs> not that I need him to be the main part of the episode, but... You know, I like him to be a little more of the episode.
0: (laughs) Maybe more shirt off. off?
2: I don't need him to have this shirt off.
0: (laughs) Riding on a horse. I don't need that either.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. All
0: right. Well, um, I think it's you, Bill. All right. Go ahead. Um,
1: So I had a shower thought, which is like, you know, I'm, I'm not really into comic books or like Marvel or whatever, but I thought like You know, it'd be a really cool, like, superhero superpower, if when a mosquito bites you, the mosquito just dies. Like, that would be way, (laughs) that would actually be much better than like being like the Flash. Like, oh, would you rather run fast or be like immune to mosquitoes? I would choose immune to mosquitoes, hands down.
0: So basically, you want frontline plus for humans rather than dogs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mosquito version, yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: <laughs> mosquitoes are bad up where you all live, right? Don't you all get Yeah, that? they're really bad. not summer. that they're not yeah, bad they're here, big. but I've always, I remember that about being up in Minnesota and Wisconsin, lots of mosquitoes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for this episode, um, actually two things really quick. One, Klingons are so easy to beat up. <laughs> they're so easy to beat up. Yeah. The only one that can actually fight is Worf. Aside from that, they're like so, so easy to beat up. Um, second thing is... Especially if like, you've
2: taken a serum.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Especially, but even if not. Um, second thing, so my wife walked in the room after I'd started the episode, and I tried to summarize her. I was like, oh, you know, their friend needs help, and so they have to steal the Enterprise to go help them. And she's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, it happens a lot, where they have to steal the ship. <laughs> it, like, yeah, it's like basically every movie. <laughs> and like... <laughs> Like maybe one out of every 10 episodes requires them to steal the ship. They never face any consequences. It always works out. Because they're always it.
2: doing it for the right reasons, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, uh, my take... For the real world, my strange new take is maybe a very cold take for most of you, which is uh, it's nice being able to go out there and walk without mosquitoes or like heat beating down on me. I'm used to June in Minnesota feeling like, you know, like 130 degrees with like a mosquito set, like covering every square inch of your body. And I went out the other day. It was nice and windy, so no mosquitoes. It was like 70 degrees. Beautiful. Little bit of a chill in the air. I could wear one like thin layer over my T-shirt. That is perfect to me, you mm-hmm. know. Birds out there, like it, it's just it's just nice. That's that's my ideal. And for this episode, uh, I did not expect to be as emotional as I was when the f- credits rolled on on the intro. I like legitimately broke down, because uh, I was just like, oh my god, this it, this show feels so familiar and wonderful. Yeah. That you just like you're enveloped and it's like just happiness from the get go. And to your point about Spike, Emily, it just, you know, watching him talk to Una in the beginning. Yeah. Like even there's that little scene. It just feels lived in. This whole show feels lived in.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I also thought this episode was really cozy, kind of like 90s Trek. And I did get a little emotional at the credits. And also at the end with the Nichelle Nichols. Uh, oh, me too. Yes, I yeah. definitely
2: got a little. Oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's let's pick up. Maybe with something that's not plot related. First, did you guys notice that the opening credits have been upgraded? Have they? I
2: didn't notice.
0: Yep. So on YouTube, you can go watch the season one credits, and there are, it's not like a huge game changer. There's a few new scenes of like the Enterprise. Like, there's one low-level pass on a flat planet that's new. In the first season credits also, there's, like, this ban from a stationary Enterprise up to this, like, frozen asteroid belt. And now the Enterprise is moving through the frozen asteroid belt, and there's a bunch of, like, effects. So it's basically them, I think, just going back and doing things that maybe they didn't have the budget to do or whatever mm-hmm. in season one would be my assumption. But it's, it's just that little bit prettier. Hmm.
2: Well, they did that with um, 90s Trek, too. Like they have the first, I don't know if it was the, if the change was between second and third season of TNG.
0: TNG has like four different versions of the zooming sound. Right. (laughs) But they
2: also had like, they they did something different with the title, but they also did, they had different images at the beginning when Picard Uh, does his space, The Final Frontier. There's like a first season version and then the rest of them. Deep Space Nine got better music once The Defiant came.
0: Enterprise got its rock and roll version. Oh gosh, of ca- Apparently due to less moonwez <laughs> at CBS, <laughs> less moonwez than CBS bought Paramount, he the, all the executives in charge of Enterprise changed, and he basically demanded that Enterprise get a little bit more rock and roll in its team.
1: No. Uh, did, but did he also this, yeah have them add the Star Trek back? Like, do you remember yes. that? It was just like for the first few songs, I I two seasons, it was just yes. Enterprise
2: enterprise
1: that's
0: right uh-huh. that's right uh-huh. uh yeah also you can get some details like the ones i just shared of the center seat which is on amazon prime it's a star trek documentary really interesting the the credits though i think i it was just reinforced to me that this is the best in credit sequence currently in star trek like maybe even ever i don't know i just this is it's pike's like reading of the intro is just Mm -hmm. it's velvety and then like the visuals are gorgeous the music is just incredible it even ends with that little pee-woo note that just sends you off into like a nostalgia drive it's great Mm -hmm. yeah i Uh, agree it's awesome yeah but okay let's let's turn back to the actual story so we open this week with a sequence about the Enterprise getting a inspection in base, uh, space in space dock, Starbase One, and we also get a sequence with Pike talking to Una in prison.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's in this sequence when uh, Pike starts the voiceover, I think that, so the, the director made a few choices in this episode that I thought were kind of weird. We can pick up on that later, but I think this is that, I'm sure there's a term for it that I don't know, but he, the, like the voiceover starts when they're still in the previous scene. And then a few seconds later they cut to the speaker. So it's anyway, I, Pike says something about like, Oh, things around the base like it seems like there's something up that nobody's telling me about anyway and then they pick it up later and it's like the gornboard right so that so yeah. re-watching it for a second time i thought there were a few pieces of writing like that that i thought were pretty elegant and kind of you know they, they do a really good job knitting together knitting together these um kind of Breadcrumbs for the larger, like season season long story arc, Um, and so they start off with that right at the beginning in a very subtle way.
0: And we also get Pike basically telling us that he's going off on a private, like his time off, he's going to use to go track down somebody that's close to Una, so they can like help get her out of the. The, the court case or whatever right, she the court right. martial that she's under. Because <laughs> yeah. she,
2: her, her solution is just to resign her commission and basically walk away because, oh, well, I didn't do, you know, I did lie on my thing. And he's like, no, no, this is not acceptable. Like, this is an unjust law. And
0: doesn't he say something like the Enterprise need you and I need you?
2: I think so. Yeah.
0: And I, I really thought that that was a hint of a little bit of like romance, which I am extremely here for.
2: You always are. Yep. I am, I yeah. am.
1: <laughs> um, who is the lawyer? Is it going to be a familiar
0: face? Have you watched the sequel? The the clip they will released from season two? No, no, I never oh, watched. Okay. Those.
2: Okay. I think we because we I think we see the who the lawyer. I but I don't I can know. Tell that you. I, oh, really? I don't. But it's not someone. <laughs> it just t- just answer my
1: question: Is it someone we know? Yes.
2: It is. See, I could. Oh, remember. I suspected.
1: Okay. Wharf is back as his great grandfather. <laughs>
2: Well, he is, you if, know, if his he, ancestor is he loses
0: in,
2: in Star Trek so. yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Okay, so when we're done with the podcast, so we don't give spoilers for next week's episode, tell me why I'm supposed to know this person. Because I couldn't. I watched the the clip for next, sun, or for next Sunday. The, I watched the clip for next week, and I was like, I, am I supposed to know who this person is? Anyway.
0: Yeah, I can tell you.
2: Okay. It, no, no, but our listener may not want our yeah, listeners exactly. may not. So we, we, we will I'm, I'm assume we have more than one listener.
0: No. Yeah, the <laughs> listener. Hey, listener, don't stop listening. You are like the only reason we record this. The one oh of you God. that's out
2: there. Steve and <laughs> Hey, you guys last yeah.
0: Re- yeah, Steve didn't listen to last week's episode. I don't know what happened. Can someone call him? Is is he okay? <laughs> we can stop uh, recording the goodness. podcast if Steve isn't listening. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um yeah. Yeah, so Pike was gone, basically, because he's gone off to, to get some information to help Una. I actually don't know if next week's episode is going to be the full court case or not. I haven't actually looked at the preview. Yeah. So, But while he's gone, Pike like, puts Spock, Spock in charge, in charge mm-hmm. and Spock is very nervous.
2: Yeah, he's got. he's still yeah. feeling his uh, emotional residual uh, breakdown from unleashing his emotions during the gorn attack right so that was the that was when he kind of let his strong vulcan emotions break through the dam and he's having a hard time keeping them under control and he's worried now about being fit for duty
0: what did what is your reaction to the explicit spock chapel romance stuff that is happening
1: I And, thought and it I'll was say pretty...
0: that the, 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 the reason I'm asking is because people online are really mad. They're like big mad that like in TOS, there's like unrequited Spock doesn't show anything. So what is this? Like, this is all like, it doesn't, you know, it's some weird kind of.
2: It's making thing. Chapel more than just a two-dimensional piney woman who is hopelessly in love with someone because that's the way... The men who wrote Star Trek in the 60s perceived women as pining over men, you know, pining over whatever and don't don't give them any agency beyond that. So I feel like it's fixing that and making giving Chapel a reason for that. And it's kind of uh, retroactively redeeming her and making her character more than it is. So I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, could I talk for like two minutes on this topic? So I totally agree, Emily, and I'm, I've never been a, like a canonista. I don't really care that much. I mean, huge, huge canon violations would probably ruin it for me, but I'm okay if they're a little bit loose with it. So clearly this chapel is a, like a different character really than the previous chapel who was just defined like her basically one characteristic was that she was like always pining for Spock right. um, and is vastly improved for it right? Do we want Mm -hmm. 1960s chapel in our show? I like the new chapel a lot better. Um, Yeah. And I, in terms of the, uh, like, love interest in this episode, I thought it was actually pretty well done. I mean, maybe subtle isn't the right word, but it didn't dominate the episode, Um, and they could have gone there. It was just, there were just a few little pieces here and there that I thought were tasteful. I think we... Uh, so the question about Chapel, I think we have to ask the same thing about Spock, too, with regard to their relationship. But more broadly, this Spock is kind of a, a different Spock than the Spock we know in TOS, who's eminently dignified, right? Nimoy, right? He's he's never kind of the butt of a joke, unless Dr. McCoy is making a racist joke at him. <laughs> uh But Mm -hmm. this Spock is really, you know, with the make the ship go now and the blood wine and, you know, um, he's kind of hamming it up a little bit, which like, yeah, just Nimoy would have never done. Like the Spock we know from TOS never did that kind of, well, maybe, maybe, maybe a tiny bit, maybe a tiny bit, but there's a huge difference in tone. And so final point, just bringing it back to Notch, what you mentioned a minute ago. So I think they're trying to like do a canon justification of why Spock is different um, using that like uh, letting your emotions out to fight the Gordon thing. Like, I think that's why they did it to kind of give him this envelope of like broader emotional kind of letting out his human side a little bit more. And then I, I think it would be kind of nice if at the end of the series, they kind of tie it up in the other direction. There's some event that happens that makes him get more in, in touch with his Vulcan side and kind of spurn the emotional stuff. And then, if, okay, fi- real final point. And then actually we see him come full circle, like in Unification and in the movies where he's kind of like reconciled, fully reconciled mm-hmm. both both halves. Well, you it's Kolonar,
0: right? Like col- the Kolonar ritual is the one that you do to purge all of your emotions.
2: But he and- doesn't do that until the... Right before the first movie, right?
0: Exactly. So that that's what I'm saying. Like maybe maybe that's the the piece that this is leading up to is, mm-hmm. and it, it makes me sad because I really like Chapel and Spock together again. I'm shipping. What can I do? Uh, they're a great couple. And
2: the other thing that I feel like th- th- there is some. I mean, I also you know. I mean, I appreciate canon, but. Um, I don't have as I I definitely don't have as much problem with them doing things that kind of fix canon that was created within a more narrow minded era. Right. Um, Like the whole last episode of original series, which enrages me that it even exists like that women can't be starship captains. I'm sorry. What? Like your imagination was not big enough that you could imagine that women could be starship captains like 300 years in the future. Give me a freaking break. But the other thing with the cage, I think it's, um, I feel like this is kind of showing a bridge between Spock of the cage, who was an emotional Spock because they hadn't really established that Vulcans were, did not have emotions or were mostly logical mm-hmm. that wasn't really a thing yet in the cage and then obviously by the time they get to the second pilot which is supposed to take i think that they say it's like 10 years set 10 years after the cage um yeah. is spock does have that logic and so i feel like what they're doing with strange new worlds is finding a way to kind of bridge those two spocks as well um, so I don't feel that it's actually breaking canon to have Spock be more emotional and more, you know, exploring that side.
0: Well, this is actually, you know, it's really interesting. We also had Chapel this week talk about her ancient or archeological mm-hmm. medical medical fellowship, which is where she meets her future husband, by the way, uh, right? Oh. According to TOS. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, I think they're setting this up to where in the third season of, strange new worlds we'll have a situation where she's in a committed relationship he's in a committed relationship and maybe it flips the dynamic where her flirting with spock isn't like her binding after him it's her needling him in a way that she knows will annoy him because they have this history and they're just close friends you know so there's a way to kind of flip the script there maybe if they go for mm-hmm. it it'll be interesting to see but anyway i am extremely here for the two of them being together uh, I also will say that I have a massive crush on Jess Bush. She is lighting up the screen every time she's in the, on it. And it's, uh, it's incredible. This, this we all got to have
2: our crushes, you know.
0: We all <laughs> do. We all do. Um, and, and in this episode, Chapel and Mabenga really get to light up the screen. We got some mm-hmm. of that with Chapel last season, like a little bit. But this is the first, like... Well, we had that episode in Fairytale Land, but I feel like this one... We get more complexity of Mbenga's backstory and history mm-hmm. rather than yeah. just his relationship um, with his daughter.
2: Man, he's had a lot of trauma in his life with the Klingon war and then with his daughter going through her illness. And yeah, anyway, I'm just thinking that's a lot that he's had to deal with. Yeah. You really yeah. see the strong or the strength of the friendship between Chapel and, M- and Mbenga come out in this episode.
1: Yeah, it was great. I, in the final scene, when this, sorry, I'm just going to skip ahead to make one small point. So, in the final, or not the final scene, towards the end, when they're about to get like blown out, the. The airlock, mm-hmm. and they're like holding each other because they have to because of the like jetpack or whatever. I'm right. like, oh no, are they gonna kiss? I, th- I was like, oh, I hope not. That would. <laughs> I'm you know, so glad they did. they did not do right. that. but it, it really right. looked like it for a second. I was like, what's going on?
2: I know it did. I was glad they did. But that's when I was thinking, no, I th- I think they're just showing what how close they are as friends and that they yeah. they just ha- I mean you can have intimate knowledge of friends and have it not be, you know. Well, I feel like there's there's
0: also people who you're close friends with somebody that you have a crush on at times. Like you don't have like maybe there are some unrequited feelings there. Like it's Mm -hmm. normal, right? Like things in life aren't as clean, and maybe they, you know, that there might be something there that's like not acknowledged. But when you're facing your death, you Mm -hmm. find it. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting it's an interesting piece. Um, so let's let's get up to the point where Mabenga and Chapel have been captured, because I don't think there's a ton to discuss. Basically, well, actually, what am I talking about? <laughs> they seal the
2: Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say there's a really big thing that happens before we get to that point.
0: <laughs> so basically, this movie is the search for Spock and the undiscovered county country. Country. Um, combined right like it's they steal the enterprise and then beat the klingons and then become friends with the klingons
2: well i also i found it funny Some i don't know if it was on um ready room or something where they're talking about spock steals the enterprise a lot it it isn't spock that steals the enterprise like they steal the enterprise to go get spock right but spock wasn't part of the stealing of the enterprise um in star trek 3 but can i can i
0: one real quick thing. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to make one point before I forget. I know a little bit of the next week's plot. I read the script. And what we're going to find out is that the entity trying to reopen the war was actually God. So God <laughs> built the starship. And we're going to get Kirk, Wesley's Kirk say, what does God need with a starship oh. as as a tie So this episode is actually Search for Spock, Final Frontier, and Undiscovered Country all in one.
1: Well, we know that Cybok is coming back this season, so it, it all fits yes, together I think. We
0: yeah. do. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, Holy crap! Yeah. Oh my
2: goodness.
0: Oh. That's well, so amazing. we've
2: got a distress call from Laan, and we can we can jump back into our so we can actually get to the point that you wanted to about the super soldiers, right? But um, <laughs> but so Laan has her distress call, and uh, that's when Spock decides. Oh no, he does try to talk to April, right? He tries to. Is it Admiral? Is he is April an admiral?
0: I think uh, yeah. admiral or commodore. I'm not sure, yeah. but yes. Um,
2: but yeah, so he tries to talk to him, and he's like, "Ah, oh, no, I don't think that's a good idea um, for you all to go." And so they have to hatch a hatch a plot, and rebellious Spot comes out.
0: And I, I mean, to me, this is another one of those places where the characters feel really lived in, like in that briefing room sequence where they're all sitting and listening to, to Spock kind of talk about, we have to go help our friend. And it's its incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. It, I
0: yeah. think it, it does a lot to like build the family.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just one point here. So uh, I think it's a really nice episode uh, in terms of like, spock's first command opportunity and you can tell that he's a little bit green but he kind of has conviction and you know i think ends up doing a really good job right even though you can you do get hints of that right that that, that he's young that he's green that he's not that experienced so much better uh in terms of the writing compared to the saru episode from discovery where he has a new command, and he's, like, Googling it. It's just very explicit, right? He's like, how do I be a good captain? Um, I love Saru, but I'm just saying the writing was much better, much more subtle in this episode. I, I,
0: I reflected on that throughout. Look at Mabenga's emotional, like, PTSD, right? Like, uh, yeah, there is no, like, explicit treatment in this episode of what Mabenga did in the Klingon War we are just we just have to assume based on little split seconds of dialogue whereas in discovery that would have been a character confronting Mabanga Mabanga like dropping like a bunch of exposition probably a therapy scene and like not to say that that can't be done elegantly but we as a viewer were trusted to come along for the ride in this episode and it was left to the actors face to convey and their voice and their tone and all of this to convey what we were supposed to take away about Mabenga's like trauma. And that is so powerful um, yeah. and has so much more of an effect.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they steal the enterprise. And in in doing so, we get introduced to Commander Pellia. And uh, Bill, I'm going to throw this over to you because apparently you have a crush as well.
1: Uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. on Commander Pellia. According to our Slack. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so I, I need to ask you guys something. Everybody seems obsessed with Carol Kane. I have never seen her in anything. I don't know who this is. Like, why should I be excited? Princess Bride? I don't remember.
2: I'm not a witch. I'm your wife.
0: Oh, the the <laughs> she's with Billy Crystal. Yeah. Ah, okay. All right. But what else? Like, why is everyone so, like, I know they crazy? Are. It, about I went her? and looked
2: through her IMDb also to find out because I remember her from from Princess Bride. I know she's been a nominated for an Academy Award, but I don't know what I tr- I didn't get a chance to find out what it was. She was in was she in Taxi? Like several episodes of Taxi, so Yes. Um Bill, yeah, I don't do
0: you, know. do you know why why are you so enamored I, with Commander Pelly?
1: I, I I think Carol Kane was in a lot of stuff in like the 80s and 90s, um, but I yeah, it's I don't really understand it <clears throat> either. But yeah, it's um I thought it was a great introduction of a new character and it was um, unexpected, you know, that she has this background as this really interesting species. Well, actually, the, at one point they say, like Spock says, um, like, I'm so interested that you were able to live among other humans on Earth. He, he does say, like, among other humans. So it, it's actually not clear that until there were Until the 20... Different- until, what
2: was it, 20... 20-
1: 22nd 22nd century century or
2: something
1: that yeah yeah and maybe I, i don't want to read into that one piece of dialogue too much but it's actually not totally clear to me if they're a totally separate species or some type of human or something anyway the the idea that you know there are lanthanites just out there among us today uh is very creative and it's almost it's almost um more like space fantasy or it does have a little bit of like a I don't know fantasy feel to me like hobbits and you know dwarfs and stuff like that
0: yeah they the lanthanites have just been living among humans and she knew spock's mom uh and and so that's kind of the connection there and so she takes and she's been very bored as we find out at the end of the episode so that's why she goes along with stealing the enterprise
2: and is actually, yeah. like, deliciously wanting to be a part of it. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. She yeah. wants adventure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, yeah, she's got a very interesting voice, and apparently that's just how she talks, right? Emily, mm-hmm. is, are you the one who told us that, like...
2: I think it was Adam, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, so we'll see. I, 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 We got so little of her in this episode, like, really being herself, um, but we'll get more as time goes on. <laughs> We end up on this planet, so they steal the Enterprise. We end up on this planet where they they meet with Laan. the 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 child that they stole from the stole back from the Gorn is now has parents who are hurt in this mining disaster. So Chapel and mbanga stay behind to go to the medical tent and help with the with the parents, but also anyone else who's been hurt in this mining disaster. But then we find out from Laan that there's a rogue faction on this planet. Which interesting concept for a planet that the Klingons and the humans swap uh, the the security on this mining planet every so often, uh, and and this is the Klingon shift. So, Laan, Spock, and Uhura uh, go off to 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 track down the uh, this rogue faction, basically. And then Chapel of gonna get got by one of the Klingons. They get recognized. You're not from here. You're actual doctors. Let's take you to this giant cavern where we're building a starship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I thought actually this episode, the, um, the plot was kind of lightweight, um, which I can easily forgive because the character stuff was so good. But the plot is basically they get a distress call. Of course, it's from La'an, right? (laughs) Like the one member of the crew who's like not on the ship. So they have to go, you know, reunite with her. So they get the distress call from La'an. They go to the planet. And basically the people on the planet are trying to start a war because profit. Like I just, you know, wanted Michael Burnham to hop out and say like, what even is a money, you know? (laughs) Uh, So... (laughs) (laughs) So so anyway they're trying to start a war for profit fine our heroes get captured they have to escape <clears throat> beat up like 200 klingons Yeah so I think anyway and that's that's we- yeah that's the plot it's it's not it's pretty straightforward <clears throat> And I mean the reason that they're building
0: an exact copy of like a starfleet vessel is so they can reuse the sets uh, and, and, <laughs> and not pay for. Let's be honest here.
2: It's like but, when they found the other ship last season,
0: right? And it, yeah, exactly, the exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just redressed uh, sets being used for the capture or the the, the uh, terrorist vessel, basically. Let's call them terrorists. And through this whole thing, basically, Chapel is talking to Mabenga about, like, are you getting flashbacks? Are, is, this, is this okay for you? Are you able to, like, hold it together, treating these Klingons? And then you have the Klingon talking to, that, that Mabenga is treating, talking to him about, like, this one battle, and Mabenga is basically be- sharing that he was there. He saw all the killing. And it's these little sequences that basically tell you that Mabenga had a role in the war. Um, A pretty big role in the war.
2: Yeah.
0: And to escape, they use the super soldier serum.
2: Have they used that before? Okay, that's what I remember. Because at first I thought because so was it the first episode of Strange New Worlds? Chapel has a serum that she gives them so they can look like they're genetically similar to the alien race. That. The planet they're going down to so at first that's what I thought they she was giving them was something to make them look Klingons so they'd be able to go through although I mean it's not just Klingons that are on the ship isn't it like a it's a faction it's a he- of humans and Klingons who are both wanting to yep. restart the war um, but yeah so I didn't it took me a second to realize oh I, I, I don't know I just couldn't remember if we had seen that in a previous season or that previous season
0: I mean, this is a, a pretty common sci-fi piece, right? In sci-fi that has wars in it, typically you have this concept of stims that people take to give them, like... And it's typically treated like in the, like, 80s sci-fi of, like, don't do drugs. It's like you get addicted to stims and, like, your super soldiers are all, like, stim-addicted meth heads. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see how they where they go with this because the existence of this chemical in the Star Trek world is... I won't go so far as saying problematic, but it's it raises some 31. questions <laughs> about about what it's used for and where it can be used and why it's more, not more widespread. Mm-hmm. But we'll set that aside. We don't need to like boil the ocean on that. that well, point. and
2: Chapel even has that that line where she says, "Do you ever not have this with you?" And he's like, "No." Basically, you know, so he always has it. Um, anyway, so that
0: that's really interesting. Yeah. So basically, he's always ready to go. Mm-hmm. Maybe this will lead into gun control in Star Trek. It's like, do you need the home defense stim? Stims are causing uh, attacks in in the Federation, and <laughs> so we need to ban stims, right? <laughs> Concealed stim carry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I I think I think that's a that's an interesting character piece on him. Yeah, so for sure.
2: I don't know. Like, watching the the Ready Room, they talked about how, like, the actor actually has, like, what kind of training is... He, he has... He's, like, a some kind of Brazilian martial arts or something. Like, he has training in that. So, he's a really great fighter. And so, like, oh, and he, but he didn't do any of that in season one. So, they were excited to be able to utilize it in this. Now, did anyone else... I thought there was this fight, the fight scene in this just seemed a little... I don't know. I found it a little reminiscent of some previous Star Trek fights, even though they didn't do the double fist, you know, the double palm <laughs> or you know, whatever that they would do. But there were just certain things about the fight sequence that I thought they that just didn't, I don't know, I cannot put my finger on it, but it just seemed... Like, I was surprised when they were talking about how they were able to really utilize his skills. Not that I thought he didn't look skilled. I just thought it seemed a little not real.
1: Yeah, I have a few things to say about the fight sequence. So it's really long. They beat up, like, a million Klingons. Uh, It's interrupted halfway through by this kind of, you know, Jonathan Archer-style torture session um, with this Klingon that they need to, like... You know they need to get information from him and find out where the uh, transponder is, right? Yeah. And he gives up the information, and so then goes like beating him up, and Chapel's is kind of the good cop in this scenario, and I, th- I, th- I don't have any issues with that. It, um, like it, it's super. They're trying to stop a war, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not commenting on this scenario on and the I'm the saying means, it was believable yeah. or I'm not I, you know mm-hmm. I, do, I don't disbelieve it or something. Benga has you know um, knows the stakes of, of war between the Klingons and they're trying to prevent an enormous war so they're kind of you know not not being very restrained I can believe that. Um, the guy they beat him up for information to figure out what the armaments are that the, the rest of the Klingons have. Okay. He says they have phasers, phase pistols, Klingon disruptors. Then they go to like the next group of Klingons and then they don't have any of that. They just, it's just all hand-to-hand combat. They just wear all the phasers. (laughs) Why don't any of the Klingons just shoot them? (laughs) Uh, So that didn't really make sense to me. And then I think in general, it just went on a little bit too long. And then there was this really weird uh, directorial decision where they go down to the second floor this is i think after they said the transponder and they're making their escape
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: camera spins and then yeah. they drop down and it spins back and it to me that to do that camera spinning thing it's like are they like jumping through a portal or like is right. there you know they that, that kind of indicates that there's something like more or something weirder happening but, but no they're just dropping down to the next Floor. That's it. So it was like I thought that was a really weird decision. And then they do it later. They do a spinning thing later on, when the ship is actually spinning. I thought that was appropriate. So it's like they did the same maneuver twice, and that was a weird choice. I mean, it's like such a minor nitpick, but I thought that was strange.
0: I I wonder if that was because they were they were hiding a cut. In between that spin, like were they hiding a a a cut? there where they basically jumped from like they jumped down from the set and then they jumped back down on basically the same set twice and they just hid that uh and allowed a little bit of well i don't know like that that would be my guess is that they were trying to hide something
1: that makes sense yeah
0: and so they end up in this airlock with, you know, kind of your classic, they're beating down the door and we have nowhere to go. There's no EV suits. There's just a helmet and a jetpack. And uh, it'll take 13 seconds for the cold to kill us or a minute and 13 seconds for the for the cold to kill us. Uh, so they do this like Hail Mary pass. And that's where we get the sequence where they're holding on and you, Bill, you were like, are they going to kiss? Which is exactly where I went as well. <laughs> um, you
2: probably wanted them too, because you just want all the ships to happen.
0: You know, it's it, 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 maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I thought Jess Bush did a great job of conveying the sense of hopelessness in that that scene. I think she she's a really good actress. Like, um, and I I really was like convinced that she was basically facing her mortality. And like Mabenga is, you know, it, I felt I got the feeling that he's faced his for quite a while already, having gone through the war so it's a really interesting kind of dichotomy there to watch speaking of which though, of powerful acting on the other side of this we have Spock on the bridge seeing this starship come out of the planet, go after this Klingon cruiser that has come in and he's chasing after it and there's this like I thought it was a beautiful way of creating tension of like oh as soon as we clear the asteroid field the Klingons are going to see us so we have to destroy this ship before that happens and Spock knows he's made a logical deduction that's that Mubanga and Chapel are on that ship and he has to order it getting destroyed. And I just every time we splash back to Spock and you see the desperation in his face and then finally the decision. That was mm-hmm. heavy stuff. It was mm-hmm. very heavy stuff.
2: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, I mean it's
2: And it has a good payoff in that Lassie when they finally do get them beamed back on board.
0: Ethan Man. Beck but but even even the the, the decision to like mm-hmm. shoot you I mean you could see the pain
2: mm-hmm.
0: flowing through Ethan Beck like the 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 like the heavy the weight of that decision kind of like doesn't hit him all at once it's like several seconds long and you can kind of see it until he says okay do it yeah um but then you were saying that they materialize Manga and Chapel on the transporter and mm-hmm. Spock runs down.
2: Right. And has the tear on his cheek as he gives her. And he gives her uh, CPR, right?
0: Yeah. Basically. Chest compressions. Yep. And, and I can't remember. What does she open. say to
2: him when she comes? Doesn't she say something like, I can't remember. I know she goes, she puts her hand up on his face and wipes away his tear, but I can't remember what she says to him right then.
0: Yeah, I can't uh, can't remember now. But it, w- I do remember being very like, oh, these mm. we'll two have to end up together. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then you see Mbenga just like blurrily being able to also observe the same scene from his side.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, super powerful all around. Um, and then you have the Klingon captain scene,
2: right? Where he yeah. they're like. I don't know if they're, like, accusing the Enterprise of doing something, you know, that they weren't doing. So Spock's trying to, no, no, we were actually trying to do a good thing and stop a war from happening and blah, blah, blah. Well, let's meet down on the surface for some bloodline, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> like, prove it to me. We need to meet face-to-face, which I thought it was a great scene. I appreciated it.
0: Yeah, I like, I I like it. how it took us back to what, how Lan was, like, yeah. making connection to the Klingons as well at the beginning.
2: Yeah. I just like to not think about what blood wine is, um, but they certainly let you know by how they make their teeth look after they drink it. I was like, yeah.
0: Ugh. <laughs> so, so you do have dishes in I think Vietnam Um and like that part of Asia, which are made with kind of coagulated blood, mm-hmm. uh, pork blood and other things where you do basically end up with a mouth that looks kind of like that. So it's yeah. it's it is closer to home. Yeah. And. You,
1: um, I mean, there's there's like pudding, if you've ever had a full English yeah, I was gonna
2: say, breakfast.
0: Yeah, they have, yeah, for sure. yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's fun watching Spock yeah, yeah, trying to be like without emotion. It's it was great. so fun; I, I loved it. it.
1: And I love when he walks over to Pelia. He kind of like totters mm-hmm. over, like Ethan's Peck drunk Spock walk. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was great. I mean, I yeah. you know I had never, yeah. But before seeing that, I would not have been able to imagine what drunk Spock would be like. But you know. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent.
2: And I, I liked uh, when they're back at space dock, and he's talking to April, and he's like, "Can you, can you keep it down? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. are you hungover?" <laughs> I just thought that was funny too. Spock hungover. So, so what, what chapels times... says to
0: Spock is, "Why you gotta be so rough?"
2: <laughs> Why you gotta be so rough? That's right.
1: <laughs> so the um, the Klingons and Pelia and maybe somebody else, all remark towards the end of the episode how Spock is an unVulcan vulcan Vulcan, and they mean it as kind of a compliment. Mm. And so this is like another instance of this Spock being different from the one that we know later on in TOS, where he's clearly decided to kind of go lean into his Vulcan half. Um, yeah, but here they're playing with it and kind of almost making it like a defining characteristic of of his character, that he's an unvulcan Vulcan.
2: Isn't it interesting how, like, really, it seems like the Vulcans don't have a good reputation? Do you ever, do you have you ever thought about that? Like how often we hear other species talk about Vulcans kind of somewhat disparagingly or you know what I mean or and and obviously the way that they're depicted in enterprise um you know but it's like for a species that's supposed to be one of the founding members of the federation and anyway I just feel like they they kind of get panned a lot yeah
0: yeah it's I mean this is definitely I think a but I mean even in the original series you had bones kind of
2: Because he's racist. God, do you ever watch that scene out of Encounter at Farpoint when Bones is talking to uh, Data, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, like when he calls him boy, I'm just like, oh, that feels real bad. Like
0: I'm pretty sure we talked about this when we did Encounter at Farpoint, but but I just remembered
2: it when I just, (laughs) I'm just like, ooh.
0: Yeah, yeah. They didn't have to go quite so deep in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Funny story, by the way. This reminded me of the Southern accent that Bones has in that episode. Corner Trinier actually talked about how when he was cast as Trip Tucker in Enterprise, he'd just come out of a play where he played someone from, like, I think it was Oklahoma. And so he kept this Southern accent and just made that his character. And then at some point, they wrote into Trip's character that he's from Florida. (laughs) He was like, wait, what? (laughs) This accent doesn't fit Florida at all. (laughs) Yeah uh but anyway so end of this episode we basically have april saying that your punishment is just the hangover and april's admiral buddy who apparently has been sitting with him in the same room for the entire like last few days says like you let him go pretty easy like what happened and he said we're gonna need all the people we good officers we can get for what's coming and it shows like go on, attack ship beep 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 on the screen and it's like i wonder what that means (laughs) um and yeah i'm i'm very curious to see what that actually does mean like so i I want to ask you guys they don't know who the gorn are in tos right or something like what's like what's the canon there like i can't remember Like
1: I, I think I think there's a very, very fine um, eye of the needle canon path. Like I, I think if you watch that episode and just look at the dialogue literally, I don't think they say we've never, maybe they say we've we've never seen a Gorn or something, but I don't think they okay. say they're not familiar with the Gorn in general even though it's kind of implied. So wait, well, they are playing the Gorn- fast and loose with the cannon. I don't really yeah. care. Yeah.
2: Right. Don't they, there's a, the Gorn show up in an episode of Enterprise, but they do it in such a way that no one sees them maybe, or is that, that's also Romulans so. too. They also have to play it off that they've never seen the Romulans. Um, yeah. But I feel like yeah. there was something about that with the Gorn as well in Enterprise. <clears throat>
0: Yeah. yeah, I feel I feel like there's something there, but I, I mean I'm okay with it. Like again, I I think sticking too closely to the TOS canon has its issues. Of like, a lot's happened since then. Like, like the whole we don't know the Romulans thing is. It honestly strains credulity a little bit. Like, the species that's a lot like the Vulcans, like they're literally like the same species, the Vulcans have never seen the Romulans over, like, hundreds of thousands of years or whatever. Like, it's just... And, and they're all warping around the galaxy together. Like, I don't know. It's it's stuff like that that, to me, if, they're, if they if retcon it, like, it, it doesn't bother me very much, personally. And so, at the end of the day, is it done for a good reason? Like, is... Can, do we get something compelling out of that retcon? I think that's the the piece that i'm curious about
1: yeah i I need to go back and watch arena again but like i think the idea of using the gorn as a villain is really cool just because they're weird and different and there's um a lot of untold stories that could be told about the Mm gorn but my my complaint is that in arena this is why i need to watch it again there's some kind of uh, moral nuance about it. It's something like, oh, at the end of the episode, we realized that the Gorn were just trying to protect their people too. And they're not bad, you know, or they're, you know, (laughs) they're people too, and they, you know, were just acting in their own interests. So they're, you know, they're not just like bad, bad, bad guys. Um, And I don't think we've seen that nuance reflected yet in uh, Strange New Worlds. I think they have basically just been villains.
0: Well, this is also, I mean, also, this this reminds me of, on the center seat, they were talking about 8472. So, like, when Voyager's ratings tanked in the third season, they had to do a bunch of stuff to, like, try and get the viewers back. One of them was obviously Jerry Ryan's entry into the franchise. The other was bringing the Borg back. And then they were like, okay, if the Borg are bad, who's worse than the Borg? And we got our first fully digital villains in Star Trek with 8472. And everyone's complaint with 8472 was that you dumbed them down at the end, right? Like you, uh, they, they were like this really scary thing. Like the only villains that the Borg are scared of. And then you have that episode where 8472 are taking human form and actually they're very nice people, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> which I actually enjoy that episode <clears throat> a lot. Uh, maybe because Chakote and this other lady commander have like, 8472 commander have like a weird chemistry so maybe that i'm just anytime you give me a little bit of chemistry 10 out of 10 great episode uh (laughs) but uh i wonder what's gonna happen to the gorn in that sense like do we end strange new worlds still afraid of the gorn or do we get a more full view of them it's gonna be interesting to see i do like that it introduces a horror element into strange new worlds it's a little bit like it allows them to play a little bit with the with the tone like we saw last season so that's really cool um, and it just remains to be seen how far they go with that.
2: Oh.
1: Any I'm, I'm just other... remembering that, um, that's uh, sorry to interrupt. I'm just remembering that Lorca had a Gorn skeleton in mm. it, so maybe that was the first breach with canon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Look it's like...
2: We brought it from the mirror universe, though so that means that it wasn't actually prime universe and our federation whatever starfleet that had encountered the gorn yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um yeah any anytime anyone saw it gorn uh, lorca was like no no don't look here we haven't discovered them yet <laughs> no no eyes on this stuff it's not canon um, okay let's um, let's pivot any other final pieces on this episode that we haven't covered yet.
1: I, just one thing I wanted to um get your opinions on uh the Klingon makeup. I think this is the first time we've seen the Klingons in Strange New Worlds, right? Mm-hmm. <clears> they <throat> reminded
2: me a little more of like Star Trek 3 Klingons. A little bit.
0: They're I mean they're back to they've 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 fully like walked back from Discovery season 1 at this point, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so we've got a very traditional kind of, there's more shiny stuff that they're wearing. There's more biker jackets, uh, less TNG style Klingon, uh, like rubber suits, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, so there's the known all, like I feel like the NG and DS9 Klingons all kind of look the same in their costume. And so we've got some more like variety now, but I liked it. I didn't I, I've never been one to be like, those Klingons don't look like Klingons. Like that bothers me a lot. So maybe I'm not the best person to comment on this, but it looked good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a good segue. Um uh, however, also- let
0: me let me just say, let me just say, Bill, I have I have major issues with the um, the the blood wine color traditionally in star trek is pantone color 118394 (laughs) however in this episode they used clearly 118395 and that ruined it all for me like it was literally unwatchable completely like why are we even allowing this to air let's go protest outside (laughs) Paramount. okay uh, any other final pieces on this episode before we move on to ratings?
1: What does a broken uh, no, circle me. mean? Hmm? Oh, good. That question. was the
2: name of the. Um, was was it the name of the? It wasn't the Renegade Group, right? Wasn't it what Laon was working? Who Laon was working with? I can't remember. <clears throat>
0: I, I wonder if it's a reference to the fact that La'an isn't with the, the crew, like the circle is broken because they don't have everybody in the, in the crew together.
2: But doesn't she drop the name of it in... I think she says yeah. The Broken Circle in one of the scenes. I, it right, made me right, think of right, it. you're right, you're
0: right. It's, a, it's yeah. a syndicate made up of former soldiers from both sides. You're right.
2: Yeah. So, and I it reminded me of um, The Circle in Deep Space Nine. Do you remember that three... There was like a three-episode arc at the beginning of season two, maybe? Um, with some... There was some organization in the Bajorans. I think they called themselves The Circle um like a not a kind of a terrorist organization or if it wasn't terrorist it was you know anyway but it was called the circle one the first either the first episode or the second episode of that little three groupings of episodes was called the circle i think interesting
0: i don't remember now i need to go back and watch ds9 one of these days all right well for now for real let's go to strange new ratings Which one of you would like to stick your necks out and give the Broken Circle a rating?
1: I'll give it a a really solid 8. I thought it was great, a lot of fun, super cozy episode. Um, Just had a really good feeling uh, as a viewer. you know, I don't think it was a masterpiece. Like I said, I think it was a little bit light on the plot stuff, but I just loved all the character development with Spock and Mbenga and Chapel.
2: I'm also going to give it a four out of five. Same reasons. I am going to say, I just looked it up. The Circle in Deep Space Nine, it was a sect of the Bajoran provisional government that is intent on wiping out alien influence. So that's. So, anyway, Prime. so I don't know if it was, but they, I just thought it was interesting that they had a similar name.
0: So it's basically <clears throat> Terra Prime, but for Bajorans.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, four out of five. This is it, a good it's, episode. It's
0: interesting you mentioned this because there's. Uh, Chakorte was talking about how crew who had been on multiple Star Trek shows, would say, like, Your character is going to have an episode where you age really fast. Your character is going to have an episode... Like, they just read off all the, like, ideas that the writers were turned to, and this idea of, like, racist faction is Mm -hmm. one we have turned to many times.
2: Yep.
0: All right. Uh, I I think y'all are both, like, wrong. Uh, This (laughs) is a 9 out of 10. uh, And I don't know if I can have a podcast with you guys anymore. (laughs) Uh, This is, like unsure now that this all works anymore <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> it's just because you have a crush on on jess bush you know what i maybe would have given it a 4.5 out of 5 if there had been more ins and in So, you know
0: <laughs> yeah jess bush is gonna listen to this podcast and be like man who's that silky voice who gives us nine out of ten i should look him up and yes that is clearly why i'm rating this a nine out of ten um no i just uh, this is I don't know how to explain it. There's a longing that comes from me watching Strange New Worlds that, like, I think goes beyond anything that Prodigy, Discovery, and Lower Decks have been able to deliver, mm-hmm. where you just. It feels comfortable. It feels like mm-hmm. you're wrapping yourself up in, like. It's like Star Trek 2009 when I saw it. It just felt like Star Trek. It was like. Right. the The music, the visuals, the characters, all of them just feel like.
2: It's like, oh, I've missed you. Yeah. <laughs> like it just, yeah. Yeah, it
0: takes you back to something really special. And I think this is the power of a powerful franchise. Like, you know, everyone's franchised out and like we, we're bored. And I think Mandalorian does this in a way for Star Wars, but Stranging Worlds just it just feels right from beginning to end. So maybe some of that is coloring my opinion of the particular episode, but either way, it's powerful.
1: Yeah. I um I just love it. Strange New Worlds is a Mm -hmm. series. I hope it gets renewed forever. Me too. And it's so, the concept is like pretty simple. It's really just like straight down the middle Star Trek. It kind of incorporates and honors everything that came before it, including the new stuff and TOS and the 90s stuff. Um, But they just kill it on the execution. You know, it's just a really well-made show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Well, Bill and Emily, thank you for joining me to discuss our first new Star Trek in a few months. Uh, very excited to to be back on talking about new episodes week to week and excited for what we are able to share uh, going forward from here.
2: Yes. Yes, yes.
0: agreed. And thank you. And Adam and Rudy, wherever y'all are, whatever it is y'all are doing, I hope it's a great time. Uh, Steve from Ohio, thank you for listening to our episode. Uh, continue to tell your friends about about us so that we can get that elusive second listener.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh, thank you, Jishina Guha, for recording our theme music. We always appreciate hearing you strum away for the Klingon theme, especially when it's an episode with a Klingon in. And um, special thanks this week to the the dude who forgot the jetpack and the like helmet in <laughs> the <laughs> in the like airlock because apparently like they were like the, the, this guy was like wait 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 you guys we're building an enter- it was a pack because they're like we're building an enterprise and we have to make it look like the enterprise <laughs> did y'all notice by the way a, a small quick tangent i don't usually do this in the final credits but like they had warning stickers so I like their, their their commitment to like exact copying this enterprise was like they had warning stickers on like the bulkheads. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> so special thanks to whoever did that and put the EV suit in the in the thing. So, <laughs> all right, everybody, see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.